All right, everybody, welcome back to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm here as always with Wes McAdams. Wes? With Wes and the construction crew. That's right. Yeah, we should say again, these next couple episodes are going to have a lot of sounds in the background. Uh, we're doing some expanding here at McDermott Road. Um, so it's exciting, but it might be a little noisy yes. in the background. So. so if you hear shouting and yelling and hammering and, and machinery, that's not us. Yeah. We're not playing with our Tonka trucks in the background, <laughs> but there are huge Tonka trucks outside. So yes, I think it's exciting sets, stuff. It sets a nice ambiance for today's question. Yeah. Uh, listen, <laughs> listen to Randall Dickey asked for us to talk about the harshness of Jesus. Was Jesus harsh with people? Such a good question. And I'm yeah. so glad it came up because I, I've written on this some. I wrote an article. I, I'll try to remember to to tag it in the in the notes, but I wrote an article about Jesus flipping tables because that sort of comes to our mind, mm -hmm. Jesus turning over the tables and yeah. uh, whether or not that's justification. In fact, I've seen a meme that, that goes around every now and then that says, when somebody tells you or somebody asks you, what would Jesus do? Just remember that turning over tables and driving people out with a whip is always an option or something like, like that. Um, and, and so I think it's good for us to talk about that. And is that, does that justify us being harsh with people? Sometimes people will go off on each other on, on Facebook and somebody else will call them out and say, Hey, you know, is that how Christians should act? And they're like, well, Jesus was harsh with people. And, and so I think this is really good. And so I'm, I'm excited to, to talk about this. And the first, I sort of outlined my response to this question or this thought and my first question is, was Jesus harsh in general? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that we have to acknowledge that harsh is a relative term. It's it's like saying nice or kind or gentle or whatever. I mean, it's, it's relative. So it's compared to what? So when you say that someone is being harsh, then you're obviously comparing that to someone or something. You're either comparing that to uh, just generalities and saying compared to most people or compared to someone else in this type of a situation or someone else in this type of circumstance, you're being harsh or that person's being harsh. Um, so it's a comparative term. It's a relative term. And so when we say Jesus is harsh, um, that that's a, a relative uh, judgment that we're making about Jesus. And I would fundamentally disagree with that. So I'm going to say from the get-go, I disagree with the idea that Jesus was harsh in general, mm -hmm. because as a relative term, we have to evaluate that statement relatively. So we have to compare Jesus to others and say, well, was Jesus comparatively harsh? Now, when I say Jesus wasn't harsh, I'm not saying that there were never moments of harshness. Right. Um, there were never moments of boldness and, and saying exactly what needed to be said, even though uh, it offended someone or doing what needed to be done, even though it caused offense. Obviously, they murdered him, so we'll get to that. Um, but relatively speaking, generally speaking, Jesus was not harsh. In fact, that's one of the fascinating things about the gospel is that Jesus shows up and is not nearly as harsh, as, if that's going to be the adjective we use, Jesus was not nearly as harsh as you would have expected him to be. He was not nearly as harsh as many of the prophets were. He was not nearly as harsh as many of Israel's leaders were, um, even the ones that we think of as doing a good thing. Um, this is God in the flesh. God in the flesh shows up 
and he doesn't find his people ready and excited to welcome him home. He doesn't find his people obedient and faithful for the most part. There's there's a remnant who are faithful, but for the most part, he comes to his own and his own know him not, uh, John 1. And so his his own people reject him. And instead of coming and yelling and screaming, he doesn't come with a sword. He doesn't come with stones to stone people. He doesn't even come with yelling and screaming. He doesn't come with an army. He doesn't come on horseback. He comes on a donkey. He comes in meekness and gentleness. He doesn't come in harshness. In fact, you could even compare him to people like Gideon. And when when Gideon uh, punishes the people that didn't act the way that that he wanted them to, he comes at them with whips of thorns and and beats them with thorny bushes. That's in uh, Judges chapter 8 and verse 16. Nehemiah, when people weren't acting the way they were supposed to, Nehemiah chapter 13 and verse 25, he pulls out their hair. Jesus never did anything like that. He never lined people up and, and whipped them with thorns. Even the whip that he made in the temple, I think, was for the animals, but that's a whole other discussion. Um, but Jesus never beat anyone. He never took a sword to anyone. He never stoned anyone. He never pulled out anyone's hair. Um, And so Jesus was relatively gentle. Here is the the Messiah, the long-awaited king, and God in the flesh. And he shows up to an unfaithful people. And instead of beating them, he is beaten for them. Instead of killing them, he is killed on their behalf. That is the gospel. And so if we want to make Jesus into this harsh character, harsh individual, and we want to talk about him as if he was generally harsh or harsh as a default, then I think, well, that's a different Jesus than the one we actually read about. In fact, I think one of the best passages for this is Matthew chapter 12, starting in verse 14. Matthew chapter 12, verse 14, and he's going to quote from Isaiah 42. So Matthew will quote Isaiah 42, but this is found in Matthew 12. So Matthew 12, it says, The Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. Jesus, aware of this, <laughs> and I, that's powerful and it's important. Jesus, aware of this, aware that the Pharisees were conspiring about how to destroy him. Here's what Jesus did. He got his army, and he got on his his steed, his stallion, and he got his sword and spear. No, he doesn't do any of that. It says, knowing this, aware of this, he withdrew from there. And many followed him, and he healed them all, and ordered them not to make him known. This was to fulfill what what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench until he brings justice to victory. And in his name, the Gentiles will hope. Now, again, this is Isaiah's words, and Matthew says this is the fulfillment of that, that Jesus tells people, don't don't make me known, and he withdraws. And he, he is relatively quiet and unassuming. He is relatively meek and gentle. And Matthew says, this is because of what Isaiah says. This is to fulfill what Isaiah says. And he says in verse 19, that he will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. The New Living Translation puts it like this. It says, he will not fight or shout 
or raise his voice in public. Like that's how Matthew sums Jesus up. So if our summary is, well, Jesus is a pretty harsh guy. Jesus just went around telling people off and Jesus went around making a big deal and shouting and screaming and, and causing a ruckus and causing a fight. It's like, nope, that's not the way his apostles described him because his apostles describe him as someone who will not quarrel or cry aloud or someone you will not hear his voice in the streets. And then he says, a bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not quench. I mean, think about that. A, a reed that's bruised, it's so easy just to snap it in half. Just break that thing. It's it, it's bruised. It's it's already, it's right there on the brink of being broken anyway. Just snap it. Nope. He's so gentle that he doesn't even break a bruised reed. He's so gentle that a smoldering wick, it's not a, a raging fire. It's, it's a smoldering wick. He's so gentle. He doesn't even quench a smoldering wick, a wick that's almost... It's almost extinguished anyway. And Jesus could have snap of his fingers, dealt with all of these rebellious people, dealt with these Pharisees. He could have put them in their place and he could have stomped them out. He could have quenched their wick. He could have broken their bruised reed, but he doesn't. He doesn't yell. He doesn't scream. He doesn't beat anyone. He doesn't fight with anyone. He doesn't kill anyone. He doesn't stone anyone. He doesn't pull out anyone's hair. Jesus is incredibly meek and gentle. And so I think that this discussion has to start here. Before we talk about these sort of outliers, these sort of moments where Jesus sort of breaks character just a little bit, um, we, we'll talk about that in, in a second. But I think we have to start here with Jesus' meekness, his gentleness, his kindness, his refusal to put people in their place and to deal with them as they deserve to be dealt with. Any thoughts on that, Travis? Hey, you know, I was thinking um, about Matthew 16, um, there's a portion in, starting in verse 21 I thought of. It says, from that, from that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from, el from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, you are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God but on the things of man. I've always, you know, thought of that. Uh, that occurrence as, um, and any time that you see Jesus being harsh, I think of it in terms of, man, I would not have liked to be on the other side of that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I would not have liked to have been Peter in that moment. Mm -hmm. um, because, and I think that one stood out to me because on the surface, what Peter's saying is, you know, he's, I don't want my Lord and Savior to be killed. You know, I don't, you know, there's, that comes up several times. Um, and Jesus sort of, you know, it's easy to read that, you know, there's an exclamation point on get behind me, Satan. So I read that immediately. It's like he was, maybe, you know, he, he, he snapped on him or any, or something. And maybe he did. Um, but I think again, like you were saying, those are isolated moments. Yeah. You know, when he chastises the Pharisees or he, like, I think of those times too, it's like, man, I would not have wanted to be on the other side of that, uh, and, and being chastised by him. But I think that, um, like you said, these are isolated moments, and um, the the reports of his apostles being that he was kind, that he didn't shout or fight or raise his voice. Um, I, I think that's really interesting, and I, I also think, like you know, like you keep saying, taking in the whole account mm -hmm. that we have about Jesus, mm -hmm. it, it's tough to think of Jesus as being harsh when you think about him on the cross saying. Um, you know, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Right. 
you know, and and verses before he's in the garden being arrested saying, you know, do do you think that I can't call, you know, 12 legions of angels to, like, you you think I don't have that power? You don't see, and he's saying to his apostles, you don't see what I'm doing here? Like, you don't see what has to happen? And, And of course, you know, I that's another one I wouldn't have wanted to be on the other side of because I I don't think I would have seen it any more than they did mm-hmm. um, that that he was going to be a different type of Messiah than anybody expected. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, you you're bringing up some really good points, and I I can't help but think again. Last week we brought up the chosen, um, and one of the comments that this is the TV series, the chosen by VidAngel, um, and they're not sponsoring this podcast. Although I wish they would. I, I would cool. I would allow Put that. that um, I would definitely accept that if they if anybody from VidAngel is watching. You know, I we will definitely continue to plug the chosen, but Absolutely. with or without a sponsorship, we will we will continue to sing the praises of this show because I I just I love it and I, I really I I enjoy. Any type of of drama, TV, movie um, about Jesus and about Bible stories, even ones that that I think are inaccurate. Um, I don't like inaccurate things being put out, obviously, but I like to discuss them and like to think, right. oh, well, I never thought about it that way, or I never read it that way. One of the things that my wife has commented on about the Chosen is that when she watches it, she thinks, oh, what if that's the way he said that? You know, what if <laughs> oh, what if yeah. that's the way he said that? Yeah. And I couldn't help but think, you know, when Peter says. No, surely not, Lord. And and Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. You know, how we read that, oh, the totally. tone and the inflection with which we read that, it influences the way we think about it. Um, and, and I think just challenging our assumptions about those words and the the voice and the tone we give to Jesus, yeah. it, it really makes a huge difference huge. on on how we interpret that. You know, what if Jesus had a tear rolling out of his eyes and he put his arm around Peter and he and he said these words as if to say, I've I've been teaching you all along that this is not about winning, it's about losing. It's about the victory is going to be claimed through giving my life, not taking anybody else's life. I have to suffer these things. And you still are thinking like a man. You're still thinking like a human. You're, you're still thinking like the tempter. You're still trying to tempt me. You're still trying to, to get me derailed from the direction I am intending to go. And maybe there are tears streaming down his face. And I'm sure he says it with passion. And I'm sure he says it with emotion. But but I think that we have this tendency to read Jesus very stoically and like he's yeah, just, you know, saying, ah, this is the way things are. But that really goes against the grain of the presentation we have of someone to whom sinners are coming, people that have been marginalized and kicked out of the community for years, their, maybe their whole lives, maybe the the majority of their adult life has been spent on the outskirts and now all of a sudden there's a rabbi that they want to hang out with? What kind of rabbi is this that the Pharisees are like, there's something about this guy, and the tax collectors are like, there's something about this guy? And and so there's something so unique about Jesus, and that doesn't mean that he's emotionless, but it also doesn't mean that his only emotion is anger and yeah. you know and and being hard with people. And so, again, I that's why I like shows like The Chosen, because it, it gives me— a different voice to to read mm-hmm. Jesus through a, a voice through which to read Jesus and and it doesn't mean that they're right and that this other voice is wrong but it does mean i think we have to challenge the voice 
the tone, the tenor of the way we read Jesus so many times. Well, you brought up the stoicism, you know, reading Jesus with a lot of stoicism. Yeah. I know that that's something I noticed in the last couple of years. I may have even brought it up here before that that's been a game changer in reading the Gospels for me is challenging myself to not just read those red letters with no emotion out of some sense to keep it sacred. You know, I, I don't want to I don't want to ascribe something but I, uh, that, that, that's not there. But like you said, you know, you hear things in that show and now it makes me read things in the gospels Mm -hmm. going, well, wait a minute, that's not a harsh thing to say. That's, or that's not a, that's not a, that's not something you would say without emotion or, cause I think stoicism can be kind of harsh. Like it can be kind of, you know, unfeeling or, but I think to your point, like even this get behind me, Satan occurrence, you know, it's like, that's, you know, you, you don't get the sense that God enjoys doing that. Right. You know, you don't, yeah. and and then it that even makes me go, okay, let's go back to the Old Testament when God is pronouncing, you know, punishment and He's, you know, these these things that I think are very very hard on our modern ears, mm-hmm. but are I think are just hard on humanity because yeah. they were they were intense uh, pronouncements of judgment, but. Did he enjoy that? Yeah. You don't get the sense no. that, you know, and there are all sorts of passages in scripture that he doesn't like that. He doesn't like when he has to be harsh, when he has to, when he has to judge us, um, which kind of goes back to, to the episode that we did about uh, last week about love versus fear. That it's like, it, it shouldn't have to be one or the other. Yeah. It shouldn't, and it certainly shouldn't, shouldn't just be fear. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, yeah, I think in terms of, reading the words of Jesus it's 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 a good challenge you know it's a, if, if you've read the gospels before it's a good challenge to go back through and 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 just try to see what have I ascribed to it that isn't there and I and I do think that as Christians we do that I know I've done that out of a sense of wanting to keep it sacred mm-hmm. uh, but that's actually ended up hurting the yeah. way that I read it yeah absolutely so true and I, I think we have to acknowledge the fact that love is not an ambiguous idea. It's not an idea that is indefinable. Like we, Paul describes, this is what, you know what love looks like? It's, it's patient, it's kind, doesn't envy. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. And so if we believe that God is love and that Jesus is God, then we have to understand that if there was ever a human being who was loving, it's Jesus. Jesus is love. He is the embodiment of love. So he is patient. He is kind. He isn't rude. He isn't self-seeking. He doesn't envy. He doesn't boast. So all of these things that describe love, these describe Jesus, and harsh is not one of them. (laughs) So now that doesn't mean that there aren't moments, to your point, um, and to Randall's point, and to everyone's point, that, that brings these moments up that say, yeah, but there were times where he criticized people. There were times where he rebuked people. There were times where he admonished people. And I say, yes, absolutely. So let's think about some of those. Um, and, and specifically, it always comes back to the, the, uh, the cleansing of the temple. And that's a good word, cleansing. That, that's what Jesus is doing. He's cleansing. This isn't about an outburst of anger. Jesus isn't being uncontrolled. This is not uncontrolled rage. He's right. not being a on the dude perfect. Uh, there's a YouTube show that my my kids like to watch. In fact, it's one of the most popular YouTube channels right now. 
and it's these guys doing trick shots. Yeah, we're but, plugging all kinds. No, of stuff I know, today. I know. I'm not necessarily <laughs> plugging or not plugging Dude Perfect. My boys love it, and and I I like to watch it too sometimes. But there's one sort of skit that they do, and at the end of of these videos, they'll do this rage monster, and this guy will just totally lose it, and he'll start breaking stuff. He's one of one of the guys on the thing, and he's just. I mean, it's just a it's just a shtick, you know. He's just doing his his thing, but he'll lose it and he'll break stuff and, you know, and it's hilarious. And I'm like, I don't like that. That's mm. not cool. But I think sometimes we have that in mind when we think about Jesus cleansing the temple, that he's being a rage monster. He's just breaking stuff. And it's like, no, the way I actually like to to talk about Jesus cleansing the temple is it's a lot like a dad. And we've seen this in a, in a lot of movies. I, I guess it happens in real life. I don't know. But it's like a dad who comes home and his teenage kids are throwing a party right. and there's kids drinking and there's kids sitting in the window and there's, you know, a pig in the bathtub and there's, you know, all kinds of just crazy stuff going on. And the dad comes in. Is he angry? Absolutely. He's angry. Is he breaking stuff? Well, no, it's his house. Like it's his house. Right. He's setting things in order. It's the kids that are breaking things. It's the kids that are that are doing things that are destructive. It's the dad who's coming in to set things as they're supposed to be. Now, is he angry? Yes. Is he harsh? Well, it depends on what you define as harsh. Like, what does this situation deserve? Well, maybe the cops to be called. Maybe, you know, consequences to be laid out. Um, getting everybody out of the house as quickly as possible. That's about the most mild and gentle form of taking care of the situation as you could possibly ask for. And that's what Jesus does. Jesus shows up as if he's the father of the house, which is amazing. Or more specifically, as if he's the, the oldest brother who's in charge of this place. Now, one, where do you get the audacity to act like that? And he says, from my father, because it's his house. It's my father's house and I'm taking care of business. I'm getting out the things that aren't supposed to be here. Now, is he is he upset? Yes. Is he in a rage? No, absolutely not. Um, and I think it's it's interesting and important where this story is situated. In Matthew's account, it's directly following the triumphal entry. So here's Jesus, meek and gentle, by the way, coming into town on a donkey, not on a stallion, not with an army, not with a sword, but coming in on a donkey in the most meek and gentle way you could possibly enter Jerusalem as a conquering king. He comes into Jerusalem on a donkey, and immediately after this account, Matthew records, Matthew 21, verse 12, and Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, it's written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. <laughs> like he, Matthew switches really quick to, he turned over the tables and turned over the seats and he told them to get out. And then he healed people. Like, that's what he's doing. He's not in a rage. He's saying this shouldn't be here. This is not the way it's supposed to be. This is supposed to be a house of prayer and you're making it into a den of robbers. And he drives people out. But again, and John records him making a a cord of whips. And I think that's for the animals, not for the people. That would be certainly out of character for Jesus to hit anybody. Um, But but this is what's happening here. And again, the tone with which we read it um, the sentiment with which we read it, the tenor with which we read it, it, it really influences what we read. But again, you, we have to read it in context. He's, he's coming into town as the king, 
and he's driving people out so that it can the temple can be what it's supposed to be, a house of prayer and a house of healing. He says in verse 15, but when the chief priests, or the text says, when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that Jesus did and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, do you hear what these, these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise? So this entire text is about Jesus being the son of David, Jesus being the king, Jesus being the son of God, Jesus being the Messiah. Um, And we have to read it in that context. So why did Jesus act harshly? And I think you could say, especially because harsh is a relative term, was Jesus acting relatively harsh here? Yes relatively so, not as harsh as Nehemiah did, not as harsh as Gideon did, not as harsh as you would expect God in the flesh to act. But yes, he was relatively harsh, relatively compared to the way he normally was. Um, But why? Well, because he's Messiah, because he's king, because he's the son of David, because he's bringing justice and righteousness, because he's setting things right, setting things as they should be. Um, So why did Jesus turn over tables? because he's king, because it's his house. The same reason a dad shows up to a a raging party and says, get out, everybody, out. Take your beer with you. Take the pig in the bathtub with you. Take all of this stuff. This does not belong here. This is my house, and this is not what's supposed to be going on here. And he drives them all out, and then he starts ministering to people and taking care of people and helping people. That's that's the picture we have here, not as as a rage monster. And so I think understanding that Here's why Jesus was ever harsh, because he's Messiah, and to your earlier point, because he knows that his path is going to end in the cross. And so he's constantly confronting his enemies with the truth of his kingship, knowing that this will force their hand, knowing that this will lead to the cross, knowing that this will lead to his own death. So when we read these stories, we have to realize this is why Jesus is operating this way because he's king and because his kingship will be culminated in the cross, in his own death and burial and resurrection. That's where this story is is being driven, and that's why Jesus is acting this way. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not nearly as harsh as you would imagine he would act. Right. He is much more meek, much Restrained. more gentle than we would think. Yeah, I think, you know, one thing that occurs to me from like a personality perspective is I was just thinking, I don't even have anybody in mind, but I just was thinking about like I've known harsh people like mm-hmm. generally harsh people mm-hmm. like maybe they have a bluntness about them or it's kind of their default setting right yeah. right their default setting is a little bit harsh yeah. and a little bit blunt and um and one of the things I I've, I've noticed is like after you get used to that about somebody you kind of don't take it as seriously sure. like you, you know you don't take it personally you know for starters and then you know, maybe maybe it even gets to the point where you just dismiss it altogether mm-hmm. you know if you know you don't even hear it Whereas somebody who's not harsh, when they have harsh moments, yes. you take that seriously. Yeah. And it's, you know, and, and that's that's definitely more, I think that's, in, in terms of what we see in the text and the amount of interactions we see Jesus in and have with people, the amount of harsh ones are pretty small, yeah. as, as, you know, as certainly from, from, from my reading of it. And, um, and that even go, even going back to the stoicism, you know, the, the mistake of maybe reading Jesus emotionless sometimes, uh, even then it's like, it's hard to p- 
call the things out and say that was harsh. You know, what is he doing? He's healing people. He's feeding people. He's, you know, he's he's hanging out with the outcasts of society, the people that nobody wanted anything to do with. Mm-hmm. Uh, to your point earlier, and these moments, I think, come across as um, as more impactful because you you think of kind Jesus, mm-hmm. and then, like you said, also having a little bit of restraint. You know, that's you know. You know, we talked about already the, the in in the garden. You know, do you not think that I couldn't call twelve legions of angels? Mm-hmm. Like the limits of what he could have done to set things right, mm-hmm. um, and 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 then some, yeah. which would be the human, which would be the human response. You yeah, know, you've, I hear right. you, you talk about that a lot. That the idea in the Old Testament of an eye for an eye was to limit. Yes. And I, you know, you took my eye. I'm gonna just flat out kill you. Yeah. You know, it's like you know, because that's our tendency. Um, and Jesus is, is even less than that. He's, you know, he, he's, he's like, you said, I love the, the analogy used about a dad coming home. There's a lot of dad vibes with Jesus in this temple story. Um, yeah. just, just saying, get out, like <laughs> you're defiling my father's house. And, yeah. um, and, and again, it, it does come across as restrained when you compare it to the full body of Jesus's uh, 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 interactions that we have recorded. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's a great word, restrained, because that's exactly what he is. He has all power, all power in the universe, all power, all authority. But instead of exercising that to the destruction of others, he allows his authority to lead to his own sacrifice, to his own death. That's the story of Jesus. Um, And I think also to the point that that Jesus is the embodiment of Yahweh, the thing that the law and the prophets say the most about God, like if they sum up his character and they sum up who is Yahweh, it is that he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Now, God is a God who is slow to anger. Does he have anger? Yes. Does he have wrath? Yes. But he is not quick to anger. He is slow to anger. And then if you were to ask, well, what would that look like in a human? What would that look like if that slowness to anger would was perfectly embodied in a human? Jesus. That's what it would look like. Does it mean you never call someone out? Does it mean you never admonish someone? Does it mean you never criticize? No, of course not. It just means that you have a super long fuse, that you are incredibly patient, that you are so slow to get angry that people are asking, why don't you get mad already? Why don't you say something already? And if people aren't asking that, if they're like, oh, watch that person, they fly off the handle really easy, then you're not embodying that. Jesus was the kind of person who was so slow to anger that his disciples were like, hey, you know, you could, you could be a little more. And he's like, no, that's not, that's, that's the mind of Satan. That's exactly what Peter is saying. Defend yourself. Don't don't let yourself be killed. And Jesus is like, no, that's not the way this story is going to end. And I think that that really brings us to the question of, should we follow Jesus' harsh example? So we like to take those sort of examples out of the context and say, see, Jesus did it. So that justifies me being a jerk all the time. You know, so I'm, I'm only doing this because Jesus, somebody said one time, you know, don't be a jerk for Jesus. And that's exactly right. Don't be a jerk for Jesus. Don't think that us being rude and harsh, like you said, some of us, sometimes we've known people that have had this tendency to be harsh all the time. And if you call them out on that, they say, well, Jesus, Jesus was. And it's like, okay, well, number one, you're not telling it like it is. Right. And we're, we're, we're taking a proof text and we say, well, Jesus turned over tables. Well, wait a second. Number one, 
you are not Messiah. You are not the king. Mm. You're not the king. And I think we have to recognize that, that Jesus also had the authority to say, your sins are forgiven. We don't see people doing that, right? We, we know we don't have the authority to say to someone, take up your mat and walk. Your sins are forgiven. No, we, we, we know I'm not, I'm not Jesus. I don't have the authority to do that. And so, no, I'm not going to do that. But, but I think, too, there is a place for us being bold about the kingship of Jesus. That's what Jesus is bold about, is about his kingship. Not We shouldn't be bold about our kingship because we're not king, but we can be bold about Jesus' kingship. But we also have to recognize that that might end in our punishment and death. And we have to be okay with that. We have to embrace that, that truth, that reality. Um, but that is what we should be bold about. Not all of these opinions. Typically, when we're trying to be a jerk for Jesus, it's because we're being bold about things that are our opinions, about the way we right. think things should be, or the way mom and dad did things, or the way our politics are, or whatever. And we're, we're being bold and courageous and harsh about things Jesus said nothing about. And we're not standing up for the kingship of Jesus. We're standing up for our political opinion, or for our tradition, or for our country, or for our whatever. And it's like, that's not what Jesus is doing. And so if we're going to be bold, and we're going to say, on this, on this, I'm going to take a stand. On this, this is the hill on which I choose to die. It is the kingship of Jesus. And even in that, we don't have to be jerks about it. Even in that, we can be bold, but we don't have to be rude. Um, and I think it's significant that none of the apostles, nor does Jesus himself, say, hey, I'm giving you an example in me turning over tables for you to follow. Why is it that that's the example we want to follow? When Jesus says, here's the example I'm giving you to follow, it is that I'm laying down my life for you and you ought to lay down your life for one another. That's 1 John 3. That's what Jesus says. Love one another as I have loved you. This is the new commandment I've give, I'm giving you. Paul in Philippians chapter 2, when he says, have the mind of Christ Jesus, he draws their mind to the cross in considering others to be more significant and giving up self and dying for others and in becoming a servant. That's the example of Jesus that we are to follow. That's what we're called to. So when we follow the example of Jesus, yes, be bold. Yes, stand up for his kingship. Yes, say what needs to be said. Yes, be courageous. Yes, all of those things. But if you really want to follow Jesus, here's what Jesus says. Take up your cross and follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. And that means turn the other cheek. When someone slaps you, turn the other cheek, whether physically or verbally they slap you. When they disgrace you, when they dishonor you, turn the other cheek. When someone forces you against your will to go a mile because they have a right to, they have the legal right to demand you go a mile, go with them two miles. Somebody sues you, give them the coat off your back. You know, all of these things, this is what it looks like to really follow the example of Jesus, even if it means giving up your own life. Take up your cross and follow Jesus, not flip over a table and follow Jesus. We're never told that. He's the king. That's his house. He can do that because that's, that's his prerogative. He, that's his kingship. And so we have to be very careful that we're actually following the example of Jesus that we're told to follow. Yes, be, be, be bold, be courageous, say what needs to be said. But also remember that the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, gentleness and self-control. This is the fruit of the Spirit. It's not harshness. It's not putting people in their place. It's not showing people how smart and wise and how witty and what good comebacks you have. That's not a fruit of the Spirit. But these things, this is what the Spirit's fruit looks like. Yeah, and don't you think, I mean, don't you think like this idea of like 
Yeah, we've all, because we've all done it, you know, looking for the, well, this is my turning over the tables yes. moment. Yes, like, yeah. And then that's, don't you think that's kind of missing the point? Like, yeah. and like to your point that you just made, you know, take up your cross and follow me, Jesus says, you know, that, that sort of gets right at the heart of, that's about you. Like, that's about maybe don't look for other people's mistakes before looking for your own. Mm-hmm. And then, man, that's a tough one. Um, because other people's mistakes are a great distraction from our own. Yeah. Um, take and the, take the beam out of your eye. Yeah. 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 There's, there's, there's another great one that it's like, it's about you. Like it's, <laughs> there's actually a sense in that, like be selfish, be selfish in your self-improvement, like, mm-hmm. because that will make things around you better mm-hmm. for others. Um, and, but you've also got plenty of work to do. I know, I know I do. I know I have plenty of work to do before, you know, before going and trying to fix everybody else. But, but also to your point that there may be times where we have to take a stand, but that should probably look different than the world taking a stand on things, you know? And and again, sometimes it might sound harsh. It might come across harsh, but again, like I said before, like the people that are never harsh when they're harsh, like Mm -hmm. they're taken more seriously. And I feel like, you know, we're kind of touching on some things about, you know, political opinions or, uh, social media interactions. It's mm-hmm. like, I don't know. The, the a lot of times the people that I see that are, that struggle with that, with being harsh and maybe more blunt on social media than they w- would ever be in real life or things like that. It's like they're not they they're turning over tables about everything. Like it's that because that's the temptation. That's that's the freedom that we have on social media. Or um, you know, we, we we're a very rights conscious culture. Mm-hmm and that uh, right now and you know the freedom of speech and the freedom to say what i want to say it's like well just because you have the freedom there's a line from shrek uh which i hold uh i'll plug that now no no uh but there's a there's a line from shrek right where he says uh you know no one's disputing that you have the right but what you lack is the capacity um you know you you have the right but that doesn't mean you have to take advantage of it every time or or that um you know, and again, just the idea of looking inward and not not looking out, I think, is a yeah. is a good place to start. Yeah, absolutely. We 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 lose out on so much, um, and I think sometimes that's the point. That's why it's because it's a lot easier to point out where we think other people are wrong than it is to actually deal with what's going on in our life and to humble ourselves to repent, to change, to be sanctified. That's the hard work. It's a lot easier to be in the stands as a spectator and just commenting on how bad we think the ref did or how bad we think the other team did or how bad we think our team did and to just be a critic. It's super easy to be a critic. It's really hard to be a disciple. And that's what Jesus calls us to be is he calls us to be disciples. If you want to talk, if we want to talk about the tables being overturned, let's talk about Jesus overturning the table in our life. That Jesus Jesus comes into our world. Jesus comes into our heart and turns over the tables and says, Wes, stop doing that. Instead of us following, quote unquote, his example and going, turning over the table in somebody else's house, let's let Jesus, let's allow the king to come into our life and turn over the tables in our life that need to be turned over and set things right in us before we go and start trying to set things right in others. 
We really hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Radically Christian Bible Study Podcast. Special thanks to Travis Polly as well as our McDermott Road Church family for helping to make this podcast possible. And special thanks to every one of you. We hope that you enjoyed this Bible study and that you'll join us next time. We love you, God loves you, and we hope that you have a wonderful day.